0: If you are ever stressed out at any time about anything, you can always just take your attention and focus it on the feeling of the air coming in to your nose and mouth and just feel the air coming in all the way down and then filling your lungs as far as you possibly can for about five seconds and then doing the same thing out and just
1: feeling the air come out along the way. Hey everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mind Valley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions and at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mindvalley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mindvalley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mindvalley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century, and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com forward slash s u p e r h u m a n now let's get started with the show hi everybody this is jason mark campbell and welcome back to another amazing episode of superhumans at work today we're going to talk about something that's not related directly towards the latest fashion in leadership or in productivity or sales and communication no What we want to do is talk about a fundamental issue that affects so many of us in the workplace and we're talking about stress we're talking about anxiety and we're talking about all these states that we can find ourselves in particularly in the years that have just followed with covid and changes happening in the workplace our way of working there's been a lot of stress happening on us and the way that we handle work which is why this conversation is so important to have and we're going to talk about so many of these ideas that you'll be able to apply where you're gonna be able to deal with this more effectively and understand better what's happening to you. And the guest that I have to speak with us about this topic is Dr. David Rabin. He is a neuroscientist, a board certified psychiatrist, health tech entrepreneur, and inventor who's been studying the impact of chronic stress in humans for more than a decade. He's the co-founder of Apollo Neuroscience, which we're going to go deeper into detail where it's a scientifically validated wearable technology that helps you improve your energy focus and relaxation. And he's been doing tests around what are the effective ways to treat these illnesses? What are the new things that we can merge from Western and Eastern medicine as well? He's an executive director and co-founder of the board of medicine, and has just always been fascinated by consciousness and our inherent ability to heal ourselves from injury and illness. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. I'm so happy to have Dr. Dave on the call. Dr. Dave, thank you for being here.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Jason. It's a pleasure
1: as I've been reading your bio, like you've been going through this and over the last decade doing so much research. And you were mentioning before the call here that this is an extremely busy time when it comes to stress, anxiety, and all these things that make it less pleasurable to be effective in the workplace, let's be honest, and maybe not making us feel like the superhumans we inherently want to be. So can you tell us a bit more about, you know, what's been keeping you busy this year, particularly?
0: Well, I think that the things that have really been keeping me busy are the same things that have been keeping everyone busy, right? Which is in large part having to do everything that I was doing before, except now with the thoughts of potential danger, pandemic related danger, political related danger, you know, economic potentially related danger. All of these things now are on my mind in addition to all of the things that I had to do before in 2019 and 2020, right? And so I think that is the challenge that we all face that we had many times we wish we did not have to face, but we're all here. This is the way that things are now in terms of our lives. And we need to do what the best that we can to accept it so that we can make better decisions about how to live on a daily basis, that moment to moment daily basis. And it's all within our grasp. You know, I think the, We can talk some about this but i think the fear response system and all of us this what many people i'm sure on here know is like the reptilian system the amygdala that part of our brains that goes off when there's threat perceived in our environment this part of our brains has been overactive a lot lately and there's a lot of reasons for that at the same time it's going off because it doesn't know the difference between perceived threat from like the news for instance and a bear chasing us in the woods it doesn't know the difference. So it treats our bodies the same way, and that takes resources away from all of the good stuff that we need for creativity, recovery, digestion, immunity, the stuff that actually keeps our immune system functioning, is getting resources taken away from it because we've watched the news. Or because we are stressed out because we have too many responsibilities we've overcommitted ourselves to. Or because we're too bored and we don't have enough to do, right? And there's all these different reasons why this system turns on, but it's not usually a bear anymore. Thank goodness.
1: Mm, And
0: so by doing some of the techniques that you guys talk about here and using the tools we have available, we can actually retrain our brains, which is the most exciting part, to be able to not have that response by default all the time.
1: As we were talking about this, I know a lot of people actually use the word chronic, right? Like saying that they chronically feel in a state of stress, anxiety, or suffering. And it's almost like we've normalized being in that state. You know, I've even caught myself sometimes I'll be like, oh yeah, I love when I'm in this intense stress state because I end up checking so many things off my to-do list. And it's almost like I'm supposed to use that as a primary Fuel source. You've already mentioned a bit like how these most of the tasks we need to do demand creativity, demand like the knowledge worker brain. And it doesn't seem like we make the best decisions in those states. So I'd be curious to know what you've seen.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. But I think that there's a counter side to it, right? So there's you stress, EU stress, which is good stress. It's stress that pushes us to be better, stress that pushes us to perform better, faster, stronger, and to grow. And then there's distress which is what we know it to be, right? And that is what we typically think of when we think of the word stress. And chronic stress, before I get into chronic stress, so stress is like a balanced boost to our sympathetic fight or flight and our recovery system kind of at the same time, which is what most people would consider a flow state. So when you're mm-hmm. like in the zone, and that is balance. That's where we want to be. And we have the ability to be there at any time. That's where we access or have access to our full potential, our superhuman stuff, you know, the good stuff. So distress over time takes us out of that state, as we know. And the problem is, even in the moment when we're in a state of, of stress flow, something distressing, if we don't focus on it and take the right angle to it, it can take us out of flow. And that is annoying and also makes us think that we can't maintain flow states because we haven't necessarily had the training to do it in the first place so over time the more distress that occurs over time that pulls resources away from the recovery system because our mind is perceiving more threat distress is perceived as threat over time by that amygdala in our brains and it literally takes blood oxygen glucose And almost all of the major neurotransmitters and chemicals that we use, and it diverts them specifically to the heart, the lungs, the motor cortex of the brain, the skeletal muscles, and the vasculature, and all of the things that we need to fight, flight, or freeze. Everything else gets deprioritized. And so that's what leads to the bad decision-making. But in the moment when you want to run from a lion or a bear, it's actually necessary that that response happens. That response literally saves our lives, but it's supposed to just turn on. And then turn off after the threat is gone. Right. So, in the situation that you're talking about with your own pattern, you may have times where you have like four hours or something where you're like on it and then you're on for four hours and then you're off. And some people really like to work that way. And there's nothing to say they shouldn't. There's nothing to say that's not unhealthy to be like in that use, but the goal is to be in a use stress zone. And then that helps to provide balance to your performance and recovery. And then when the stress is over, work stress or whatever it is, then you quickly calm down and your body settles down. You can measure this by having a high heart rate variability. It means a body quickly relaxes after stress, quickly goes up, reacts to stress, copes with the stress, the stress is gone, then it comes back down again. You want to be maximally adaptable. Imagine being like Bruce Lee. That's like the human archetype of the maximally adaptive human
1: being. So it's like in the moment you need to tap into that one move that you can actually just jump into it, do it, and then get back to it. Which, you know, I love this idea that you're introducing you stress versus the distress. And for those on the podcast, you can do this just by yourselves. But those who are listening in live, I'd love to know how much is distress, or we know we talked about chronic stress, which I know we'll talk more about. How much is stress something that you feel is a problem in your life? From one to 10, 10 being like it paralyzes you. Because I'm seeing a lot of our, our attendees are talking about some chronic illnesses, et cetera. So I'd love to know just how much of stress a problem in your life, so I can see what the ratings are. And if you're listening to this at home or on the road and on the podcast here, just mentally check in with yourself. What is that level of stress? And I'm going to get back to this a little later. I wanted to give you an opportunity to maybe open up the difference when it comes to that chronic stress. We're talking about just always in distress?
0: Right. So in distress, when the body perceives fear, diverting all of those resources away from Reproduction away from digestion, resting, recovery, creativity, immunity, because it's all going to the muscles and the brain and all that stuff. That's supposed to happen in the moment and then turn off. So imagine that happens in the moment and then it happens again a moment later and then a moment later and then a moment later. And then it just keeps happening consistently every day, all the time, that all of your resources are getting diverted away from the immune system, away from the recovery system away from the part of the brain that calms the amygdala that says you're safe enough to fall asleep, right? All of those parts of the brain that are critical, digestion and metabolism, literally the part that fights off illness, the immune system gets resources diverted away from it. So the tools that we use to practice rebalancing that autonomic tone by doing parasympathetic strengthening exercises or toning exercises like deep breathing proper meditation, which is really a personal thing. You just have to figure out what works for you and good nutrition, good health, you know, 30 minutes of exercise a day where you get your heart rate up at least, and don't overtrain and eat generally, you know, healthy, natural food, boost your parasympathetic state as much as possible. And then that retrains the system. And so Apollo is a tool just to tie it in because it makes sense because we developed it to do that, to boost parasympathetic tone and help naturally the way that someone would boost your calm safety states in your body and your recovery system when they touch you because it conveys evolutionarily, it's the most powerful way to convey safety is soothing human touch, a handhold, a hug, holding the arm. It's like, I mean, it's as old as mammals are. It's like tens of millions of years old, that response. So it's hardwired into our bodies. So Apollo taps into that response and provides that gentle parasympathetic balance that allows the nervous system to come back into balance and helps us cope with stress and adapt to stress more effectively.
1: Wow. I really want to go deeper into this. So, Apollo Neuroscience, we're talking about biofeedback devices. This has been primary one of the big projects we've been involved in and something we wanted to open up about, where you can actually have a device on you that kind of helps you detect what is the stress levels that you're at. And also, you've been able to do a lot of testing on what are the methodologies that actually help bring you back into a, a good balance. And so, I wanted you to maybe open up more about what is this tool? How does it work? And what is the types of research you've noticed? while using this tool to bring us back into a non-stressful state?
0: Sure thing. So Apollo is actually not a biofeedback device yet. It will be soon. It will start detecting, but right now it is just a stimulating therapy device. So Apollo delivers a vibration therapy, which we developed at the University of Pittsburgh from my research between 2013 and 2018 or so. And we found in the study of trying to figure out new techniques to help people with mental illness, treatment-resistant chronic mental illnesses, PTSD, depression, addiction disorders, anxiety disorders that didn't respond to any medicines. Most of the, my patients were these people. And most of my colleagues' patients were these people. And they just did not get better with the standard treatments we were told and everybody was told to use for them. So we had to think outside of the box. And so we started to look at wearables and you know other technology and all of them just require too much effort. They require too much work to use. And if you're already stressed out, making a change in your life is hard. Change itself becomes scary, right? And so we're not asking people to change routine. We were just like, what can we give people where they don't need a doctor or a healthcare provider, to show it, teach them how to use it, and they can just st- strap it on their body and it delivers something to the body that helps calm the body or balance the nervous system and remind them that they're safe enough to not think they're in a fight or flight mode right? And recognize that. And so we ended up playing with sound, electricity, vibration, and we found eventually after looking at all of the options and studying them for a couple of years, we mapping out all of the nervous system pathways from the skin to the brain of how to activate the system, studying biofeedback and studying breathing patterns and how to activate meditative states in the body with breath and all these incredible things that have been done before. We figured out how to do it with vibration, with sound waves, but delivered through the skin. So Apollo is actually music that I compose personally based on the neuroscience of the touch receptor system and the neuroscience of sound, but for your skin receptors instead of your ears.
1: This sounds incredible. And I'm sorry that I mixed it up with the biofeedback because I know you do a lot of research within that realm, which I think we can get back to in a bit. But since this sounds really fascinating, so what's going on? This is on on my hands. How does it work and what does it do? I have a device here I can show you. It's a little wearable like this. We have a device that looks like an armband or an ankle band that has a nice little bracket. It looks very slick. And so I just want to give that for the people who are having an auditory experience right now.
0: And it can be worn on your, as you correctly said, your ankle or your wrist or your arm. Most people actually wear it on the ankle, myself included. I am actually wearing it right now. I wear it every day because I particularly have a lot of things that I work on, as you mentioned earlier. And I need to focus sometimes for a very extended period of time And that has never been a strength for me, believe it or not. It's always been a challenge. And I've always been a little nervous public speaking, admittedly, and doing presentations and these kinds of things. And so using Apollo actually helped me completely overcome that. I have no fear of public speaking anymore. I talk all the time publicly, and it's not a big deal. And I really don't care (laughs) because I've done it, and I know I can do it. And I'm just present and doing it. And it's the same with work and my focus. And so it's taught me... So basically what it does is it delivers a gentle vibration to the skin that your touch receptors feel like effectively somebody giving you a hug, somebody holding your hand on a bad day, the feeling of ocean waves, a feeling of a cat purring. People have different associations with it, but the Mm. nervous system detects it the same way it detects a deep breath, which is if I have the time to pay attention to this feeling right now, I can't possibly be running from a lion.
1: Oh, I love that because in essence, that's really what's grounding it back to it is being like, listen, I'm safe. I was able to get this going and everything. And so for those of you who are curious, definitely we'll have a link here for the Apollo device so you can learn more about it, see if you want to use it, especially for those who are tuning in live. I'm sure there's some that are going on Google right now, but I also wanted to bring it up to this technique. Like there seems to be multiple ways we could be able to attach that. And if I understand this correctly is once we detect that we're in a stressful state, we should be looking at ways that we can get us back into a grounded state. And you've already mentioned a few of these modalities, such as breath work and meditation. And this device obviously is a technology delivery that can do this in an accelerated pace. Could you elaborate more through the research you've done on what are these most effective things to get us back on ground whenever we're in this distressed state?
0: That's a great question. So my favorite technique is deep breathing which is the easiest thing to do, but it's one of the ones that we are notoriously the worst at because we're not taught to do it. And also everybody who wants to learn how to breathe, you don't have to get this book, but read Breath by James Nestor that just came out as a New York Times bestseller. Fantastic, fantastic book. It'll teach you, easy, very easy to read about his journey through breathing and how to understand why and how we breathe the way we do. But there are, the easiest way to think about it is that if you are ever stressed out at any time about anything, you can always just take your attention and focus it on the feeling of the air coming in to your nose and mouth and just feel the air coming in all the way down and then filling your lungs as far as you possibly can for about five seconds and then doing the same thing out and just feeling the air come out along the way.
1: I'm wondering if everybody that's live with us now wants to do one breath together. And for those listening in the podcast, I wasn't prepared, but now I know what we're doing. Would we be able to experience one of these breaths with you, Dr. Dave?
0: Sure. Let's do it. So let's take all together one breath in through your mouth or nose. It doesn't matter, actually. (laughs) And go as far down as you can, feeling the air through your nose and mouth filling your lungs. We've got about 10 seconds and then hold for a second, feel your lungs full and then exhale. And try to exhale slowly over five or 10 seconds, just feeling the air coming out. And just be present with our bodies as we feel the air because the air is our most fundamental interface with everything around us in the world and we need it to live more than we need anything else around us. And so by bringing our attention back to the feeling of the air coming in, our our like fundamental interface with the environment, it reminds us that we are fundamentally in control of our experience in a much bigger way, right? Mm. As soon as we draw our attention to something that we can control, it reminds us that we are in control. And as soon as we draw our attention to things that are out of our control, we feel out of control right? It's not that complicated, but when we're trained to only pay attention to things that are out of our control, we feel out of control all the time. We don't know why, right? And it's like, what the hell is going on? Once we become aware of these techniques, that's like where the retraining process starts. And my other favorite technique is self-touch, which is totally ignored. So you can put your pressure on your chest with two hands and just push on your chest and just gently, you can push over your heart or over either side. I think the left side tends to work better. And- Over the course of 30 seconds or so, people generally feel like a slight whoosh and you feel like a parasympathetic response is that whoosh, which is actually your blood vessels relaxing and blood pressure decreasing. And you can do this with pressing the inside of the outside of the ear, which you can't see. It's the inside of your earlobe. There's a vagus nerve terminal that works really well, where you put your finger on it and gently gently rub it and you will just give you a gentle massage. Yeah, within 10 seconds, sometimes five seconds, you can induce the same response. There's lots of other spots like that on the body.
1: Mm. It's so fascinating because these are so within our reach, right? I love Literally. that there's <laughs> new, new yeah, right? <laughs> I'd love to just go ahead. Like remember earlier, we talked about what stress level we found ourselves right now, how much stress was a problem. I'd be curious to know, you know, if you've taken the breath with us right now, if you've tried the application of putting your hand on your chest and just like, being present in the moment, do you feel like that had a positive effect on your current stress levels? You've also talked about how the news seems to be a big culprit about how you always go into these things that you don't have control over. And again, for me, I didn't realize this is what I was doing, but every time I start the recording of a podcast, I go into this, for those who are here live with us, notice that I went silent for a few seconds. I took a breath. I get present before I interview any guests because I didn't want to take away anything else that's distracting me and I can be present. And so I love how these are so accessible and they're so within our reach. I also wanted to bring kind of something else into the picture because I can catch myself, like if I'm in a distressed state and then like, okay, if I catch myself, I can do this and it will bring me back. But sometimes it's not as obvious in that distressed state that this is where I need to go because obviously you're not, you're not the present conscious person. That's currently listening to a podcast. You might be in the middle of distress. And so have you noticed things that can help us be more aware that, oh, I'm in distress. I need to do this right. Now,
0: Yeah. You said it. That's why we came up with Apollo because there wasn't anything to do that. I still haven't seen anything else that really does a good job of that because it all requires a lot of effort. The challenge with deep breathing is that it can require years to learn how to deep breathe in the moment of need, right? In the moment where you actually are stressed out to remember to just do the breathing can take mm. thousands of hours of breath practice. And like, who has time for that? You know, I mean, yes, we should do it. We should do it but it takes a long time. And and so, you know, having a tool that can help us when we didn't learn as kids to remind us of the feeling of what it feels like to take a deep breath, right? So that vibration from Apollo helps to sort of nudge our minds and our bodies into a state of safety. It's not by any means artificial safety. It's just you recognizing that you are safe in this moment and that you are in control of this moment because you can pay attention to this feeling.
1: You just said something that I think is really relevant. You said it's not like you're creating an artificial feeling of being relaxed. Actually, it's the opposite. We seem to be creating artificial feelings that we're not safe all the time because we're living in like the best of times, most abundant times where there isn't no bears or tigers running after us. And so we create a lot of distress, it seems like, over just the things that we see all around us that aren't actually trying to kill us. Some of them might be. But at the same time, we over exaggerate. It seems like we overanalyze and it's almost like an overflow of information, like you said earlier, like that you can't control. And that seems to tip us over the point into this, or the way that we're structured as a society that we just didn't evolve to be this way. So now everything seems like a bear or a tiger. Right. We mentioned a bit about that chronic type of stress, right? And that seems to be something that could be, caused by more significant event, maybe I'm talking about like PTSD, we're talking about all these larger events that put us in this, this constant distress mode. And I wanted to kind of open up the box here, because I know you've been doing a lot of studies with more alternative medicine, more on the fringes of what's being accepted within uh, psychotherapy and neuroscience. And I wanted to know, what's that future look like? And what are some of the discoveries we're seeing?
0: The future is bright for treating these illnesses or what we call it sometimes injuries, chronic injuries that happen because I think the word illness isn't the best word because it implies that it's like a permanent thing and that's not the case. There is a lot of hope for everyone out there who has these conditions. You know, we're seeing with particularly technologies as one example that are really helping to change things. And there's other technologies other than Apollo, there's PEMF that can deliver Electromagnetic pulse frequencies for pain and for bone restoration and growth and that kind of thing, which is amazing it 's incredible technology there 's electric qigong machines that have FDA approval for pain and that have had for many years and you know a lot of people don 't know about them, but there are these things that exist that are amazing amazing technologies. And even wearable trackers right, are very interesting. They're not perfect. They're not lab-grade. So a lot of us think we can do a lot of experimentation at home, and that's great and it's fun, but they're not lab-grade technology. They are fun. They are interesting to trend data and learn about ourselves over many months or years of time. And then at the same time, you have things that are much more invasive into consciousness-invasive, like psychedelic medicines. right? I'm a psychiatrist, and I am a ketamine Assisted psychotherapist. And I also am trained as an MDMA assisted psychotherapist. And what's really fascinating, these medicines, ketamine is used for PTSD and depression, but it's FDA approved for depression. And MDMA is used for PTSD, very chronic PTSD in particular. And the results are astounding. And we're seeing results where, you know, one year out after treatment, With just three doses of medicine, the MDMA was three doses. Ketamine was like 12 doses. But with MDMA, one year after treatment, 67% of people are no longer meeting diagnostic criteria for PTSD with just three doses of medicine and 12 weeks of psychotherapy. So when you compare that to what most of these people have to go through now, and you think about that those people who went through that experience had chronic PTSD for on average 17.6 years and nothing worked for them and then all of a sudden they just get three doses of medicine and 12 weeks of psychotherapy in a double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trial and then 67 percent of them are symptom-free at one year out that's incredible
1: that is incredible now i think we obviously have a lot of regulation changes and a lot of acceptance and it's great that people like you are going out there making these tests so that the data can become available and it sounds promising as you said on all these fronts from the technology from the new methods which kind of want to bring me to asking you, as we've had this amazing conversation, what are some of the things that you would say for anybody who's listening in? Obviously, for some of you who consider the Apollo device as something you would want to consider, we'll make sure there's a link for you to buy one if you're looking to acquire one yourself. But I also wanted to hear what would be some general advice you would want people to take away from our conversation today? The best thing
0: that I'll leave you with is the thing that I think has
1: helped me the most, which is,
0: well, two things. So take breaks take breaks because we need to prioritize peak recovery to sustain peak performance. You can't have one and not the other. So we have to prioritize peak recovery, which means doing everything from HRV training to breath work, to whatever it is, whatever tools you just yoga, stretching, touch, massage, soothing music, sound baths, whatever it is that helps you get autonomically and parasympathetically toned, do that stuff. It doesn't have to be the same thing for everyone. Find the stuff that you like and do that stuff. And that's going to help you be so much healthier and feel so much better on a consistent, continuous basis. And you will notice it relatively quickly. And the other part of it is just that practice makes perfect, you know, and the neuroscience supports it because Eric Kandel won the Nobel Prize for discovering this in 2002. So we know, and we've known for 20 years, that practice makes perfect. The more that we work at something, whether it's good or bad, the better we get at it. If we do things that don't support us, they're not constructive, they don't contribute to our health or the health of our families or our communities, those things we will still get better at, even though they are destructive. And if we do spend that same effort doing things that help us, we will actually retrain our brains to do those things like habit, like routine, and we can create those routines and automate those routines as much as we want. So let's automate good stuff, not bad stuff, right? If you recognize you have the choice and you can create new neural pathways at will by just practicing new stuff like gratitude instead of shame or guilt. Not to say that shame and guilt don't have their place. They do, but usually it's temporary, not long-term. So, you know, we have the ability to retrain and re-automate new pathways. So this is the opportunity once you recognize that, hey, I can do this, let's do it and see what happens, right? And every moment that we have is an opportunity to test it out.
1: I absolutely love it. Dr. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. And, you know, we had a great conversation here where we really wanted to dive into these ideas of what stress is, what is good stress, what is bad stress. And of course, the use stress is something that can give you a temporary state of flow so you can get things accomplished. And this can be good, but being in distress is very different. We're talking about how if you're in a situation being chased by a bear, as we've referred to a few times in this interview, of course, you need to send everything to the muscles that will either make you fight, flight, or freeze. Yet, this is not the reality of how we live our everyday life. We talked about these ideas of chronic stress and how this is not a perpetual state that you should be in and obviously has negative long-term effects. Simple techniques we we'll discussed discuss here that you can get started right away. I love the breathing exercise. We've all had a chance to take a breath together, which I think was powerful. And again, keep that as a reminder whenever you get into these stress states that this is a tool that's always accessible to you. And the new one that I discovered is this touch, being able to put both of your hands on your chest, maybe slightly towards the left side just for 30 seconds and just feel how you're jumping back into your parasympathetic nervous system, kind of getting more relaxed, your blood vessels dilating as Dr. David explained is so powerful. And again, these other places that you can touch like inside the ear, small massage can be all these little tools that you can use on a daily basis whenever you're feeling in a stress mode. Of course, we've talked about the Apollo Neuro device that you'll be able to acquire yourself if you're interested. This is a fascinating piece of technology that I know is going to help a lot of you who might be looking for that additional tech boost. This is a powerful system that was developed by their team, which I would highly encourage everybody to have a look at Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get one in Indonesia, but I'll be looking for ways to get one here. So wherever it is available. And of course, at the end, we're talking about let's start working more at being able to work better, taking these breaks and really nurturing the areas that you know you can make a better impact by just practicing doing things better. I think we can find ourselves lowering that stress level, lowering that anxiety and being more focused to be able to go into better things. I love the future. The future is looking bright. There's new techniques and a lot of technology coming out. And I know for those who are live with us, we're probably gonna have a few questions coming about these psychedelics, which we're not gonna air on the podcast. But of course, if you're listening to this podcast and you wanna be a Mindvalley member, go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman and you can come join these live conversations. Thank you, Dr. Dave Rabin, for coming here and sharing these amazing insights and for everybody tuning in, Continue being superhumans, and thanks for tuning in